Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. Lord Jesus, help give us hope in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Uh, The way that I believe God wants to minister hope this morning is we're going to address the storms that we go through in life. How many people have experienced, come on, a storm in life? I'm not talking about the storms like on Wednesday and Thursday. I'm talking about when you're kind of just going about your day-to-day, the clouds gather, the storm hits, your life gets shaken, and you cry out to God. And the reality is, in life, there are times where the clouds gather, the storm brews and it hits, our lives are shaken and we cry out to God and He reacts instantaneously. Peace, protection, provision, He moves. And for those storms, we give Him glory for. But there are also storms in life where it feels like the clouds gather, the storm brews and it hits. We cry out to God and He doesn't react or respond quite as quickly as we would feel comfortable. In fact, there are storms in life where it feels like God goes uneasingly quiet. Sometimes we experience silence in the storm. And it's important for us, dare I say imperative for us as a faith community, to process through where Jesus is when it feels like he's silent in the storm. Because silence in storms is distressing. It's disturbing. And silence, not properly processed, becomes destructive to our journey. But here's the good news. Jesus didn't bring you all this way to leave you to be destroyed. Jesus gives us the Word of God and the Spirit of God to process through where He is when it feels like He's silent in our storm. I remember a storm that my wife and I experienced a couple of years ago where it felt like Jesus went just a little bit quiet. The storm came in the form of our firstborn child, Caitlin. And when Caitlin came along, I'm not going to lie to you, I was relatively confident. I was a youth communicator. She was going to be a little person. We were going to get each other. I read a book. I thought I did everything one could do to prepare themselves for the rigors of child raising. And sure enough, for the first couple of months, it was easy. Caitlin ate well. She slept well. She even smiled for pictures. I was considering writing a book. And then something started happening after six months. It didn't stop happening for two years. Okay, at 9 p.m. and then again at 11 p.m. and then again at 1 a.m. and then at 3 a.m. and then at 5 a.m. My baby girl would rise up out of her slumber and begin to cry. I'm not talking about cute baby tears that make you want to take pictures for all posterity. I'm talking about blood-curdling screams that make you want to throw holy water on her and see if something flies out. Ah, that kind of crying, you know what I'm saying? And so my wife and I found ourselves on this little black couch in our little house, night after night, in the middle of a storm. My wife was also dealing with some postnatal depression, feeling like a failure as a mother. I was overwhelmed with fear and anxiety because I didn't know how to help. And there we were on this little black couch in our little house, feeling like Jesus was silent in our storm. Now, there were other storms that we had experienced up to that point in our marriage where Jesus had shown up right away. Times we needed provision, he'd shown up. Times we needed peace, he'd shown up. 
for some reason, in this particular storm, night turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, and those months turned into a couple of years. Profound sleep deprivation, profound pain, and silence in the storm. Now, throughout this entire storm, we're doing everything right, like good Christian soldiers. Like, we're praying crazy prayers. You know when you pray those desperate prayers? Like, you know, those even theologically incorrect prayers. Like, Jesus, I'll mortgage my soul for the rest of my days. I'll serve you for free. That kind of stuff. Like, but it felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. You ever felt that way before? Silence in the storm. I thought to myself, okay, if the prayer wasn't going to do it, I was going to bring the word of God into this. So I pull out the Bible and I find every verse with the words stillness, peace, silence, shut up. And I'm speaking over my baby girl. I'm rubbing the Bible on her head. But night after night, same black couch, crying wife, crying baby, me nearly crying, but not crying because I'm a manly man. Silence in the storm. I thought to myself, okay, if the word of God can't solve this and the prayer wasn't going to help, I'm going to pull out the big guns. I'm going to bring worship music into this. So there was a worship leader back in the day named Darlene Check. She wrote a song called Shout to the Lord. So I've got Shouts to the Lord playing like nonstop in my house. I'm rubbing the Bible on my baby's head. I'm praying these crazy prayers, but night after night, silence in the storm. Same black couch, crying wife, crying baby, and me nearly crying, but not crying because I'm a manly man. Now, I thought to myself, okay, if Darlene can't sort this out, I'm going to pull out the really big guns. I'm going to bring Joyce Meyer into this. So I turn on some Christian TV. Joyce is preaching. Darlene singing. I'm rubbing the Bible on my baby's head. I'm praying these prayers. But night after night, my baby wouldn't go to sleep. Silence in the storm. The silence was distressing. The silence was disturbing. The silence was becoming destructive because I had never ever questioned the goodness and the strength of God. I was just asking this question, where's your goodness and your strength right now? So I'm a part of this faith community throughout this entire ordeal. And there are well-meaning segments of every faith community who will remain nameless. Women who will come forward with advice on how to get your baby to go to sleep. So I got this beautiful old Chinese lady come and tell me what I needed to do was to get my baby and boil some Chinese tea and pour it on my daughter's back. And what would happen is her hair would grow out. I needed to shave that hair off and my baby girl would go to sleep. So here I am in the middle of the night. I'm praying these prayers, rubbing the Bible on her head. Darlene singing. Joyce is preaching. The kettle is boiling. Because that's how you get so desperate when you find yourself in the middle of a storm. And your good God has gone quiet. And before you Caucasian people get on your child-rearing high horses, there were some crazy white remedies too. This old lady came and told me what I needed to do was to get my baby and wrap her tightly in a towel and put her on a washing machine and then turn the washing machine. This is a lady over here saying, sir, that actually works. I kind of, because that rocking motion would make your baby think she was in the womb again. So here I am in the middle of the night praying these prayers, rubbing the Bible on her head. Darlene is singing, Joyce is preaching, the kettle is boiling, my baby's on the washing machine. Because that's how you get when you find yourself in the middle of a storm. You know God is good, but you can't feel the goodness. You know that God is strong, but he hasn't flexed for a while. And you ask this question, where are you, Jesus, when there's silence in the storm? Now, the reality is a lot of people in this room won't be able to relate to sleep deprivation. You had a baby that ate well and slept well and it was all good. 
But the reality is, if you've done any kind of journey with Jesus, in your own way, you'll be able to testify to a season where it felt like our good and strong God went a little bit quiet. For some people, it might be related to their business or their finances. In the last couple of years, we've had a a big downturn and everyone kind of freaked out a little bit throughout the pandemic, but now everything is bouncing back. But you're sitting here this morning and you're asking this question, where's my bounce back? In fact, I've seen a lot of my friends kind of do better than they've ever done before, but I feel like we're just going backwards. And what guts you is that you're doing everything right by the book. You're giving, you're sowing, you're tithing, you're going to business men's and women's breakfast, you're doing everything right by the book. You're claiming him as Jehovah Jireh, clap, you're provider, you're doing everything right, but it feels like your provider has forgotten you. And you ask this question in the quiet of your soul, hey Jesus, where are you in the middle of our financial storm? How about those family storms? Come on, mums and dads in the room, they're called teenagers. I remember a couple of years ago, things were going so well. Everything was running so smooth. Like you were doing everything right by the book. The Bible says if you raise them a certain way, they wouldn't depart from these paths. But right now you find yourself in a situation where in your family you see a couple of your teenagers running away at a rate of knots. They're not only departing from these paths, they are becoming more and more that prodigal son or that daughter every single day. And what kills you is that you see your friends with their kids and they're all growing closer to each other and to God. And you ask this question in the quiet of your soul. Hey, Jesus, do you care about my family? Have you forgotten about us? Why are you so quiet in the middle of our family storm? How about those family storms that are connected to our marriages. A lot of us have struggled in our marriages in the last couple of years. We thought that getting married would be like checking into a field full of flowers where you're frolic forever, but you just found it's like World War Three. you know what I'm saying? And, and you feel like you're, 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 you're two ships in the night. And maybe even this week you spent time individually praying to God that he would heal your relationship, but for some reason it feels like instead of getting closer together, you're splitting more and more apart. And you ask this question in the quiet of your soul. You don't dare to do it out loud with your lips, but you ask this question, hey, Jesus, do you care about my marriage? I've seen you do really cool stuff in other people's marriage, but how about mine? Why are you so quiet in that storm? How about that health storm, that sickness, that illness, that disability, that disease, that thing that you fight with in your body and you fought with for so long? And you know he's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals You've seen the video testimonies, you hear the stories all the time about God like helping people in their physical health. You've seen the videos of people having their cancers shrunk or people receive their sight again. And you just ask the question, hey, you know what? I wouldn't mind my video testimony. I keep dealing with this problem time and time again and it feels like it never gets better. I know you're good, I know you're strong, but would you be good and strong in my situation? Why are you so quiet? In my health storm. How about those cultural storms? Doesn't it feel like every single time you turn on the news, there's something else that just takes your breath away? It feels like every single time you've got some clear air ahead, you get hit by another wave. And you ask the question, come on, deepen your heart. Hey, we're meant to be one nation under God. We're meant to be a bunch of people who recognize Jesus as Lord and Savior. Why? Does it feel like the world is getting darker and darker and 
society is getting crazier and crazier. Jesus, where are you in the middle of all of this? We love for you to move. We love for you to speak. We love for you to heal. Hey, we just love a little bit of help. Hey, Jesus, where are you in the middle of the storm that we're going through as a country? Now I know there are some people sitting here right now going, you know what, I thought that this Dan Liang guy was kind of funny. And uh, I came here for a little bit of a laugh. Now he's like killing the vibe and wrecking the mood. I'm here to let you know, I don't talk about these things because I want to wreck a mood or kill a vibe. I do this because Soma is a church that is dedicated to connecting real people with a real God so this real God can make a real difference in their real life. And if we're going to see real change in our every single day, if we're going to walk out of here coming with more hope than we came in with, we've got to talk about these real seasons that we all go through. But the good news is, no matter how dark a moment can be, no matter how depressing a thought may occur to be, the Word of God and the Spirit of God, come on, gives us a path out. Can someone say a good amen to that? So what I want to do in my remaining minutes with you is I want to take you to the Word of God. I want to show you a time that's recorded in the Bible to answer that question. Where are you, Jesus, when it feels like you're silent in the storm? So if you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of Mark chapter 4? Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Everyone say, Mark. Say Mark like an Australian. Mark. Say Mark like an American. Mark. Come on, say Mark like my dad. Mark. Awesome. I taught you languages. was a little bit racist. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. This is a story that's recorded to answer the question, where are you, Jesus, when you feel quiet in the storm? The Bible says, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, which is a massive storm, came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. (sighs) The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I love this story because I kind of see myself in this story. I relate to this story. I'm just a disciple like these disciples trying to get from point A through to point B and not drown along the way. And on this day, the disciples are commanded by Jesus to get into a boat to go to the other side. And as they're in this boat, a storm hits their journey and their lives are rocked. We, we need to break this erroneous, even paganistic thinking that says that when something bad is happening, it means that God is angry. These disciples were smack bang, for want of a better term, in the middle of God's will. They were commanded by Jesus to get into a boat and to go to the other side. Sometimes bad stuff happens to good people. And so here they are, they're trying to get to the other side, and this massive storm brews, and it hits. Their boat is rocked, their vessel is nearly swamped, they nearly lose their life. 
And the whole way through this episode, Jesus is in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Seemingly disconnected from their plight, seemingly apathetic to their cause. Jesus eventually awakens, turns to the wind and the waves, says, quiet, be still. Creation is calmed, revelation is revealed, but more about that later. I want to know where Jesus was, specifically, I want to know where Jesus is when it feels like he's silent in the storm. If you're writing down notes, you can pull out your leather-bound journals and your pens right now. An old mentor of mine used to tell me that a blunt pencil is more effective than a sharp mind in remembering the things that God whispers to you about. I'm not saying you need to take notes in church to get into heaven. I'm just saying, why take a chance? You know what I'm saying? Like, kind of, it could be like a little test. At the, I'm messing around now. You don't have to, but... Uh, In all seriousness, iPhones and iPads and Google devices, Samsung devices, like sorry you have one of those, but I would love for you to just scribble these three things down that are true about where Jesus is when it feels like he's silent in your storm. So point number one, write this one down. Where is Jesus when it feels like he's quiet in the storm? Number one, he is still in your boat. Come on, he is still in your boat. The Bible says here, leaving the crowd behind, they took him, Jesus, along just as he was in the boat. He just say that out loud? He is still in my boat. He has not left you. He has not forsaken you. When the going gets hot, Jesus doesn't get going. When things get a little bit hairy and scary, angels don't whisk him away and then bring him back when everything calms down. Come on, Jesus is still in the boat. Come on, can you turn to your neighbor and just let him know, hey, he's still in your boat. Come on, he has not left you. He has not forsaken you. The one who is Emmanuel, God with us, is with us in this very moment as quiet as he feels. Come on, he is still in the boat. Come on, as clear as a phone ringing in a quiet room, he's trying to boom this loudly and clearly deep into your soul. Hey, in that hospital room, I'm still in your boat. Hey, sitting at your desk trying to make ends meet, I'm still in your boat. Hey, in the middle of family or relational dispute, I'm still in your boat. Hey, looking at a world feeling as divided and as dark as it is, I am still in your boat. That's where he was. As the rain drenched the disciples, guess what? The rain was drenching Jesus. As the waves were throwing the disciples around, guess what? The waves were throwing Jesus around as well. If that boat capsized and Jesus would have to make a swim for shore, Jesus too would have capsized and would have to make a swim slash walk for shore because Jesus was still in their boat. Come on, smile. That's good news. Sun is shining. He's still in your boat. Days are dark. He's still in your boat. On top of the mountain, singing the hills are alive with the sound of music. He is still in your boat. Walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he is still in your boat. Not only is Jesus still in your boat, point number two, write this one down. He is still in control. Come on, he is still in control. I'm going to tell your neighbor, he's still in control. 
No, no, seriously, turn to your other neighbor and say, hey, second choice. He is still in control. He is still in control. He doesn't slip. He doesn't lose grip. The world may be crazy, but Jesus ain't freaked. He is still in control. How do I know that? Because the Bible says here, Jesus, throughout this entire ordeal, is asleep on a cushion. Now, some of you all would say, you know what? He was sleeping as an indicator that he doesn't care. His sleep proves that God is disconnected. But can I suggest to you that the care and the love of God was proven once and for all on a bloodstained cross? That's the reason the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, but God would demonstrate or prove to us his love that whilst we were sinners, Christ died for us. Or in other words, Jesus dying for us proves to us once and for all how he feels about us. He cares, he loves us. So we must therefore logically deduce that if he slept, he must have slept for another reason. And I would suggest to you that Jesus didn't sleep because he didn't care. Jesus slept because he wasn't stressed. And Jesus wasn't stressed. Why? Because he was still in control. Come on, this is Jesus. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the writer, the director, the producer of this movie. He's the star. And the final credits don't get to roll in our life until Jesus says they roll. And if the disciples paid closer attention to Jesus' words right at the beginning of this story, Jesus already gave them the outcome. He said, hey, let us go over to the other side. Jesus didn't say, hmm, today looks like a beautiful day to go out into the middle of a lake to drown. Jesus says, no, you're getting to the other side. Come on, instead of stressing so much, dig into the word a little bit more, and I promise you, your stress will go down as your faith and your hope rises. Jesus is letting us know. Come on, we're getting to the other side. Come on, he's in total and absolute control. That's the reason Colossians chapter 1 reminds us, this is Jesus, the firstborn over all creation. That's his theological talk for. He's the boss of the universe through whom everything was made, for whom everything was made, in whom everything is held together. The Bible is literally telling us that he's got the whole world in his hands. He doesn't slip. He doesn't lose grip. There was a beautiful Italian-American ambassador to the world throughout the 80s and the 90s. His name was Sylvester Stallone. Does anyone remember Sylvester Stallone? All the millennials and the Gen Zs, you don't know Sly, but us exes, we know Sly, you know what I'm saying? Basically, Sylvester Stallone was a dude who was in every single movie made in the 80s and the 90s, and he played the exact same role. Like, every single one. There was a movie in the early 90s called Cliffhanger. Anyone remember Cliffhanger? Cliffhanger's like a, like Sylvester Stallone's like a rock climber in this situation. In the opening scene, he's, he's climbing with like a woman who seems inconsequential to the rest of the plot. So you kind of like put two or two together, this woman's going to die. You know what I'm saying? And sure enough, this woman falls. And as she falls, Sylvester catches her. And Sylvester is there trying to calm her down. Can you imagine? Like you're hanging over like a 200 foot drop. And the guy trying to calm you down is like incoherent. Like, so, okay, so you're like, so you think to yourself for a moment, if there's someone in Hollywood who has the strength, the biceps, the ability, the history of steroid use that can potentially carry this woman to safety, it's sly. But not even sly could hold on. Because Sylvester, in his own strength, eventually had to slip and lost grip. And this woman starts, ah, 
And the last thing she sees before she hits the ground is, like, what a horrible way to go. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure that God is ambidextrous, meaning that he can use both hands equally well. But there's this especially strong right hand he keeps referring to in the Psalms, with which he promises to grab hold of your life and to never let go. He doesn't slip. He doesn't lose grip. He's still in control. The rain may be falling, but he's still in control. The pain may be increasing, but he's still in control. The fear around you may be rising, but he's still in control. He doesn't slip. He doesn't lose grip. Come on, smile. That's really good news. Thirdly and lastly, write this one down. Not only is he still in your boat, not only is he still in control, I want you to get this deep into your spirit. He's still up to something good. He's still up to something good. Right now in this silence, he's doing something. Right now in this storm, he's doing something. Right now in this confusion, he's doing something. Right now in the midst of fear, he's doing something. He's up to something good. I love the way this story comes to an end. The disciples are afraid to wake Jesus up because a couple of days before, they saw Jesus raise someone from the dead. So they just must have concluded, yo, he could probably do the opposite. So I'm not trying to like, kind of like, you know, wake master up in the middle of a deep sleep. He might just be in a bad mood and say one thing and we all dead. You know what I'm saying? So he's like, oh, so, but they're like fighting with each other because this is an unrelenting storm. So I'm picturing the conversation like this, like, hey, yo, Peter, you should wake him up. Like, you're always shooting your mouth off anyway. Yo, Peter, wake him up. And then Peter saying, you know what? He called me Satan last week. I don't really want to push it right now. Hey, Thomas, you should say something. Well, I doubt he'll listen to me. Hey, Judas, you should wake him up. I don't know. He always looks at me like kind of in a weird, suspicious way. So I don't know. Something happened, but eventually Jesus is awakened. And the Bible says he turns to the wind and the waves and says, quiet, be still. And creation is calm. Don't miss it. The most powerful force in these young men's imagination was the force of an explosive storm that would get stirred up when the cool air from the lake would hit the hot air coming from the desert. They had seen weather patterns like this before, and this was the most powerful thing that they had ever seen. And with a word, Jesus silences the storm. Can I just remind you that even a season of silence doesn't change the fact that our God is just as strong as he has ever been. Don't allow a season of silence to rob you of the reality that our God with a word, come on, our God with a look, come on, our God with a move of his hand and a flick of a wrist or a pain, an iota of attention can turn everything around. I feel like I need to take someone to Sunday school for like 30 seconds here in this room. Come on, our God is just as strong as he has ever been. Come on, he's strong enough to create the heavens and the earth in six days and still give us a day off to watch college football. Come on, this is our God. He's so strong. He can bring forth the nation of Israel from a pensioner and his barren wife. Come on, this is our God. He's so strong. He can split the Red Sea with nothing but a stick and a gust of wind. Come on, this is our God. He's so strong. He can bring down the walls of Jericho with nothing but a song and a shout. 
this is our God. He's so strong. He can fell the giant Goliath with nothing but a sling and a stone. Come on. This is our God. He's so strong. He can close the mouth of the lion, open the eyes of the blind, heal the sick, raise the dead, birth the church. Come on. He was crazy. That He was strong enough to save your crazy life exactly where you were. Come on. He's as strong as he has ever been. But don't miss it. While he's silent, he's up to something good. How do I know that? Look at how the story ends. The disciples get together and say, yo, what happened there? This Jesus guy, even the wind and the waves obey him. Or in other words, we know more about Jesus after this season of silence than we did when we started entering into this space of fear. And because God is more interested in the faith that is growing and the trust that is developing and the men and women of God you're becoming, He'll allow you to go through a season of silence that is governed by the God who is still in control so that He can show you something of Himself that you couldn't see in any other environment. It's easy to talk about Him as a provider. Come on, when you flush with cash... You just wait until he has to show up and pay a bill on your behalf. It goes from a theology in your head to a truth in your heart and it'll change the way you do your life. Come on, it's one thing to sing about amazing grace, how sweet the sound. You just wait till his grace is the oxygen in your lungs that keeps you going just another day. It goes from a hymn that you sing to becoming him and everything he does. In the silence, he's actually telling you more about himself as you trust in him. Can someone say a good amen to that? Man, I wish I could finish off this message in a really neat and clean way. You know, it's like a miracle story about how my baby girl went to sleep. I wish I could tell you that one night I was hanging out and like an angel tore through the roof and came and put a coal in my daughter's mouth and said that she would preach a gospel to the nations and that's the reason she can't be quiet now. That didn't happen. After two years, my baby girl went to sleep because she got really, really tired. But fear not, my wife and I have been smart enough to make another one. To pick up exactly where his sister left off. So there we were again. Same black couch, crying wife, crying baby boy. And me nearly crying, but not crying because I'm a manly man. But this time there's a difference. There's a confidence. There's a spirit of, we're going to be okay. I remember one night, my wife is there and she's exhausted, but she looks stunning. And she looks at me, she goes, babe, we're going to be okay. Jesus is still in our boat. And I said, babe, of course I know that because I taught you that. Okay, maybe it didn't go exactly like that, but (laughs) life is different, yeah? When you remember he's still in your boat. As dark as the days get, he's still in our boat. As heavy as the rain that falls, he's still in our boat. As many a wave that would crash into our vessel, He is still in our boat. So smile, my friends. This is very good news. 
So as we wrap up our time, I just want to do two things, okay? Um, the first thing I want to do is I want to give an opportunity to someone in the room to say yes to Jesus. That's all Christianity is. If you were raised around people who told you that Christianity is about rules and regulations and jumping through legalistic hoops or clearing religious bars, you've been lied to. Is Jesus loving you so much to come to find you exactly where you are? And in his love and in his grace and in his mercy, he will knock on your heart's door. And if you would make a decision to have him as the Lord, the leader and the captain of your boat, he will give you not only life eternal securely, but he'll give you life to the full starting today. Now there's a catch to that. When you invite Jesus in, he doesn't make a very good passenger. Why? Uh, Because he's God. But if you would make a decision to let him be your Lord and your Savior, your captain and your leader, I promise you, life to the full, eternal, bless you, is yours for the taking. How cool is that? So with every eye closed and no one looking around, I do that to give you a sense of privacy. If that's you this morning, you're saying, hey, Dan, over the last 31 minutes, I've been thinking to myself, he's not even in my boat. I want to invite Jesus in. If that's you, when I count to three, lift your hand and I want to pray a prayer with you that heaven will hear and will change everything. So with no one looking around, if you want to make Jesus the captain of your boat, when I count to three, lift your hand. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just lift your hand where you are. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand up there as well. That's amazing. Hey, let's pray this prayer out loud all together, especially if you lifted your hand. Come on, let's do it, Soma Church. Dear Jesus, I invite you to be my captain. Help me by your spirit to live now for your glory. Amen. Can you put your hands together for the people who lifted theirs? That is so cool. Wow. I saw a bunch of hands go up. I'm going to be hanging around the front. And if you put your hands up, I would love to give you a a high five, a fist bump, an appropriate side hug. I would love to connect with you and encourage you. For the rest of us, with every eye open and every head raised and everyone looking around in a judgmental manner. And I, I do that on purpose because the Bible says, and I've learned in my life that this is true, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you want to do life as a proud person that basically says, hey, you leave me alone, I got this. It's going to feel like heaven's D-line is standing against you. But if you make a decision to show humility and say, I can't, but you can, you start feeling grace. Come on, flow in your direction. There is nothing as humbling as saying, hey, that's me. That word was for me. Come on, I need help in this area with every eye open and everyone looking around. Am I right? So you've been through a season of silence. You're going through one. If you know that you've been disturbed, maybe even some of your faith has been affected in a negative way. With every eye open and every head raised and everyone looking around, if you want to know Jesus in your boat like never before, would you just lift your hand where you are right now? Just do that. So keep your hands lifted. Don't worry, it's early in the day. The deodorant is holding. (laughs) Let me knit faith with you, friends. In the name of Jesus, we trust you. We say to you, 
we've been through some things where it feels like you've gone quiet and we got a little scared. But by your spirit, I pray right now that you would help us feel you in the boat like never before. We thank you, you're in control. We thank you, you're up to something good. In Jesus' name, amen. Soma Church, you are a gift to this part of North Carolina. And my heart's hope and my heart's prayer is this, that as you walk away from this building today, you would feel heaven smiling on you, that you would know more hope inside your heart than you came in with. And by the grace of God, as you go through your week, may the hope that you carry now make a big difference in many people around you. God bless.